we have moved into a very, very spe special supernatural moment on God's calendar. He put us there. We have ended 54 days of shaking and change that begun on February the 6th. It ended on March 31st. The very next day, as we saw last week, we began the month of Nisan on the Hebraic calendar. That's the calendar that God gave to Moses after the Exodus. Exodus 12, 2, God told Moses, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. In other words, the day one of Nisan was actually New Year's Day on the Hebraic calendar. That is significant that it's significant that we have moved from shaking and change into the month of Nisan because it's not just a it's not just the first month of the year on God's calendar. It is also called the month of miracles. Miracle month. It's notable miracle month. Some of the greatest notable miracles we have in all of man's history occurred in this month, and many of them occurred in the Exodus in this month. Nes on, Nes, that is the Hebrew word for miracles. It is also the month of the Passover miracle. When God delivered the people, his people, out of Egyptian bondage, out of literally government tyranny, out of government oppression, today begins Passover week. And again, it is very significant. It is a week that is pregnant with promise. It's pregnant with the power of God to do miracles. It's no coincidence that we are now at this point. God led us to this, this moment to prophesy into our times. He led, led us through days of shaking. He, he led us through times that, are pro, that were prophesying great change to us. And just as he did, Moses and God's people, there, there was a lead-up time of Moses and the people of God. There was a lead-up time to this great month, this month of deliverance. It was a month where God, remember, said, let my people go. It was an accelerated time of deliverance, and it was a command. It wasn't a request. It wasn't an ask. God was commanding Pharaoh, let them go. I believe this Passover is activating the promise of Passover that leads us into supernatural times at a different level, supernatural deliverance that we've been decreeing and praying uh, for in some ways, in some ways for years. And it's coming at levels that we have never experienced before. There there is something alive by the Holy Spirit in this Passover. I'm trying to find the words to describe it, but there's something alive 
in this particular Passover. We're not just celebrating a historic event. We are living in its promise. To, we're, we're, we're living to see our own Passover revealing new freedoms, revealing new times, new, new inheritance. Holy Spirit has been up to something. Well, he's been up to something for quite some time, but in these last six weeks or so, he has been up to revealing some incredible things to us. I feel it. We are just beginning to understand what this is all about. He, he has some special plans that are Godhead plans. They're moving toward, towards us. Plans that are going to be seen in this area, this region. Plans in this state. Plans in all 50 states. He has some plans he's about to reveal in D.C. and in other nations. There are some there are some heavenly suddenlies now activating. Remember, Holy Spirit says, expect sudden heavenly surprises. We are moving into that. The brilliance of our God is going to be manifestly revealed in our times, overcoming the forever loser and his, his evil agendas. I'm hearing things in the spirit realm, and I'm hearing that this Passover... Is, is pregnant with promise now to be birthed just as the first Exodus birth promises. And I'm hearing that just as the first Passover provided a safe place uh, from, from, the, pa from the, the plague of death, when the blood of the lamb was painted on the doorpost and, on, and over the, the lintel, it, it indeed... Death passed over it. it. It provided that. It indeed provided safe place. But also that very same doorway into a safe place became an entryway overnight into a new reality. And that's where I believe we are heading. We are heading into a different reality. We are heading into, it became a doorway into destiny. New destiny. It, it, it became a doorway into new living, into new freedoms. So is this one. It's going to be that. We're being, we're being put into an, ador an ordained event on God's calendar that he has told us has now kicked in. It's now in process. And the strong hands of the Lord is now dealing with the enemies of his kingdom. The strong arm of the Lord is dealing with systems of evil that are oppressing the people of God. The strong hands of the living God are dealing with demonic procedures designed to oppress the true church. Just as he dealt with the demonic systems and the procedures against God's people in Egyptian bondage, he is dealing with it now. And I'm hearing that the same doorway into protection overnight <clears throat> became the launching way into supernatural times. It was the launching forth of supernatural deliverance into supernatural supply. So it will be with us. So it will be with the king's ecclesia. This is more than a celebratory feast in process today 
Chains are breaking. Oppression is breaking. Bondage is being broken off this nation and many nations of the world. Demonic whips are being broken. The taskmaster's whips are being broken. So this, this Passover is about a safe place to launch forward into new times, new seasons, new victories, new possibilities, new inheritance, new harvest, new, new sounds, new songs. No longer the sounds of sweaty slaves singing the grieving songs of oppression, but rather songs of joy, songs of peace. Our oppressors we will see no more. The horse and the riders have been thrown into the sea. Something's different and something's activating. At the end of this, this week, we celebrate the magnificent Passover when, when Jesus went to the cross, becoming our Passover lamb to provide safety from sin, safety from, from death, but that cross also became a doorway to great freedom. And in many ways, it was a launching. It launched forth. It was a launching pad for a new kingdom to begin to spring forth on earth, which it did. It launched new outpourings of the Holy Spirit as downpours from heaven came. It launched breakthroughs of signs, wonders, and miracles. It launched Notable miracles, miracles that proclaimed God did that, only he can. So I believe this one is launching and in moving us into, into these kinds of signs and wonders today. This Passover, from what he has led us through and now into, this Passover is launching some things. It's launching, it's anointing. Uh, and launching to bring forth dreams that we've had, visions that we've had, words of the Lord that we have had to come to pass. So I want to look at the lead up to this first Passover because it identifies things that I believe are now launching forth for us as it launched forth for them. Because we are seeing a biblical pattern happening right in front of our eyes, and it's prophesying to us. Exodus chapter 6, let's read some verses. Exodus 6, this is New Living Translation. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he'll force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, or God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. Yahweh represents the redeeming God the God who keeps covenant, the God who, who keeps his word of promise, 
by his personal presence coming and activating his power. The God who proves covenant, the God who does his promise by activating miracles. I'm now going to show I activate my power to do miracles and and keep my promise. I'm Yahweh. And I affirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I've heard the groans of, of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians And I am well aware of my covenant to them. I'm Yahweh, I'm master, I'm the keeper of promise. With my power I will do this. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts. Of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression. And I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am Yahweh. I am the God who proves my promises and my redemption with power. Now chapter 7 and verse 1, New Living Translation. Then the Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Tell Aaron everything I command you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites from the land of Egypt, with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. I'm the God that keeps my promises by using my mighty power. I'll do miracles. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. The Exodus story begins 540 years prior to the scriptures I just read you. It begins when a dream was given to a young man who is in his early teens. His name was Joseph, and his daddy was Jacob. He was Jacob's son. God gave him a dream that one day his entire family, brothers, his dad himself, were going to be under his authority. Well, his brothers didn't like that dream. And in fact, they were quite jealous of Joseph because his dad, Jacob, did dote upon him and got him this very special coat, and it represented authority. 
In fact, his brothers actually hated him, not just jealous. And one day, a convenient way to get rid of him came their way. And they told their father he had been killed by a wild beast when in reality they had thrown him in a pit waiting for Egyptian caravans to come by. And when one did, they sold him into slavery. When they get to Egypt, this Egyptian caravan then sold Joseph to a man named Potiphar to be his slave. And Joseph became slave to Potiphar. He served his household very faithfully. And he did not give up on the dream of God. He just thought somehow God is going to bring this dream to pass. And he faithfully served Potiphar. Until one day when Potiphar's wife, she decided that she wanted to have an affair with Joseph. Joseph evidently, according to Scripture, was very good looking. And she fell for it. And she wanted to have an affair with him, but he wouldn't do that because he didn't want to harm his master in any way and their household. And so he said no. And she became so upset. She went into a rage and then accused him of rape. Knowing that her husband, Potiphar, would believe her, which he did. And he is then thrown, Joseph is thrown into prison. And now he's in prison, but he didn't give up on God's dream. He, he kept believing uh, that somehow God would do it, and he begins, began to serve the master of the, uh, of the prison. And he actually became known for being a dream interpreter. When one of the inmates had a dream, he interpreted it. And then one day, Pharaoh himself has a dream. And nobody can interpret it, but somebody remembers there's a guy in prison his name is Joseph, and he knows how to interpret dreams. And so they call for Joseph. And Joseph, he comes in and, and before the, 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 the Pharaoh, and he basically interprets a dream Pharaoh has this way. Here's the interpretation. Egypt, it's going to enter into seven very good years. It's going to be plenteous. There's going to be harvest, abundant but then you're going to move into seven very lean years. And so you need to stockpile food in the years of plenty to get you through the years of famine. And to make a long story short, for time's sake today, Pharaoh simply decided that is the right interpretation. And he decides who better to put in charge of, of this kind of thing than the guy that interpreted the dream. And he, he commanded that Joseph be put second in command to all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself, thus making God's dream come to pass. Because his brothers who sold him into slavery and his own father who, who thought he was dead, his family, they were doing fine until the lean years came. And when the seven lean years came, his own family had to come to Egypt. They heard there's food there. And they come and they stand before Joseph. They didn't know who he was because he was a, such a young guy when they, when they sold him. They didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. And they were begging for food. They had come under his authority, just as the dream stated 
Again, long story short, too much to tell right now. But he said to them, you just came here as spies. That's why you're here. You're here to try to rob us. They said, no, no, we're, we're from a guy. His name is Jacob, his family. We're from them. We have a young brother at home. And he said, to prove it, go back and get your young brother. They go back and they got Benjamin. And he still, he still is, is uh, he, he's still trying to, to dig into this whole situation. And the next time they come, he said, now go get your dad. And of course, when his dad came in, he began to weep and he revealed who he really was. They had come under his authority. As the whole situation had unraveled, Joseph's brother thought he surely is now going to have us killed. He's the most powerful man in Egypt, except for Pharaoh. He's surely going to have us killed, but that's when he made the famously familiar statement, what you meant for harm, God has meant for good. And he began to take care of his family. Well, word got back that there's food in Egypt and there's provision there. And so here comes more families and more Hebrew families and they helped populate Egypt and they especially begin to populate a region called Goshen. Joseph lived a very successful life and he died at 110 years of age. Well, along come some other pharaohs who didn't know who in the world Joseph was. And they begin to create, they, they, they begin to set systems and procedures. Uh, they, they set systems and procedures in place to make God's people their slaves. And they begin to put them under severe taskmasters. You're assigned to this one, this family to this one. And conditions became unbearable. The, though, though God had promised them through Abraham a land of, of milk and honey, they began to live in, in torturous conditions. And they lived as slaved, slaves for the next 430 years, about twice as long as we have been a nation here in the United States, believing that God will someday bring them to a land of milk and honey. 430 years after Joseph's death, God begins to bring them onto his supernatural calendar and change fills the atmosphere of Goshen. Change begin. God tells Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. His, his heart is, is hardened. But I will now multiply my signs, my wonders, and my miracles. And I'm going to bring my fist on their demonic systems. I'm going to bring my fist down on their demonic procedures. And the great deliverance began. It was on. Plagues began to, plagues began to spread and, and bring a great shaking to those resisting of God. But of course, none of that occurred in Goshen. Goshen was free of that. Rivers, streams, and ponds turned to blood. 
let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, won't do it. Then frogs, millions and millions of frogs. They couldn't even move. Frogs were in their ovens. They couldn't take steps. Frogs everywhere. Let them go. No. Then lice. Lice on all of them. Well, that'd be horrible. Lice everywhere. Let them go. And the government of Egypt, the strongest government in those times, said, no, we're not going to do it. Then flies, billions and billions, most likely trillions of flies that were feeding on all the dead frogs, and it said it stunk all over Egypt. Billions of flies. Let them go. No, we're not going to do it. Then disease swept through the Egyptian livestock, killing cattle and killing oxen and sheep. But again, Goshen was spared. In fact, Pharaoh sent some guys. He said, go check Goshen and see if there's, there's some kind of plague going on with their livestock. And they come back and said, no, everything's fine there. It's just here. Then boils broke out on Egyptians and their animals. Let them go. No. Then a hailstorm and lightning like had never been seen before, it says, thundered across Egypt, destroying crops. Then behind that locust, and it, it, it says that the locusts looked like clouds, dark clouds coming into the land. Clouds of locusts came and, and began to eat what crops were left. We're told they could hardly see. Then thick darkness for three days, night and day. Thick darkness, and it just refers to the absence of light. It's different than the darkness we have. You go out at night, you can still find your car. You can still see your way. It's not great, but you can see. But when there's an absence of light, like you see deep down in underground in a cave, when they turn out the light, you can't see your hand in front of your eyes. There was an absence of darkness. They couldn't see anything for three days. They couldn't leave their house. Let them go. No. And then, of course, the warning. Next is the firstborn. The firstborn of man, the firstborn of animals. They're going to be taken. And again, the answer of Pharaoh and his government was no. No. Well, God says to Moses, have my people kill a lamb and roast that lamb and have a feast. And I want you to tell him to take hyssop and dip, dip that hyssop into the blood, lamb's blood and paint the top of the doorway and the side posts uh, and, and tell them, do not, do not leave for any reason till I tell them to leave. And when the death plague comes on the firstborns, it will pass over them. And that's exactly what happened. We are now moving onto God's calendar at that moment. He has aligned us for his purposes. Again, this is Passover week. We have been led here by the providence of God. The past, the past years of systems 
of evil that have taken some of our freedoms, in some areas, a lot of our freedoms, delaying our inheritance. And he has led us through 54 days of change. And it has led us to this ancient week and its promises. And it's prophesying something to us that we've got to hear. It's loud and clear to me. Things we need to believe. Things we need to pray. Things we need to decree into our times. It's prophesying. We are now moving into times of signs, wonders, and miracles like the world has never seen before. And God is going to multiply them, not add. Not add. He's multiplying them. It's time for bondage to end. It's time for government tyranny to end. It's time for oppression to end where God's people and His church are concerned. It's time for God's promises that He has given to be received. God's fist is coming against delay. God's fist is coming against systems of delay against His people. Signs. That is the Hebrew word oath, and it means monuments. Or it means miraculous things or proofs. It means to show something very clearly. It means to indicate the reality of something. So God says, I will now reveal clearly the reality of who I am. I'm Redeemer. I'm Promise Keeper. I will now reveal to, to pharaohs, to kings, to government leaders, to seven mountain leaders, to systems bent against me and my people the reality of who I am by multiplying my signs, wonders, and miracles. The word wonders, that's the Hebrew word mopheth, and it means the mighty acts of God that causes mankind to wonder. The Exodus reveals some of the greatest miracles that, that produced some of the greatest breakthroughs that we have ever seen, the world's ever seen. I mean, think about it. They, they come to the Red Sea. They are stymied, they are stopped, surrounded by Pharaoh. The promise of freedom sure does look like it's never going to happen. But God gave a miraculous breakthrough. The Red Sea opened, an ocean opened, an ocean opened. That's a new level of the miraculous. I mean, an ocean parting is, is gigantic breakthrough. To get them to the place of promise, God took the miraculous to a whole new level. I believe the same thing is what he's prophesying to us. I'm about to take the miraculous to a whole new level. I'm about to take miraculous breakthroughs to a whole new level. I'm going to multiply them. When, when they needed food, bread, manna, it, it came with the dewfall. That was angels' food, manna. Angels' food appeared everywhere, all over the ground. Over, there was a million and a half people that come out of Egyptian bondage. And, and it, it, it 
fell on the ground all, of, all around them. Food for a million people every day for 40 years. I mean, that's... It would be a huge miracle to feed a million and a half people one day. Just one day. That's amazing. That's incredible. But do that for 14,600 days without fail. He never missed it once. They never missed one meal. That's an average of 21,900,000,000 tons or 43.3 billion pounds. No bakeries, no trucks, no warehouses, just God. And he didn't miss it one time. To get them to a new time of inheritance, God took the miraculous to a different level. That's that's where we are. That's what he's bringing us into. I believe he is taking it to a different level. When they wanted meat to eat, God had millions of, of quail flown in day after day. Again, not just one day. That would have been awesome. But 14,600 days. Not just a few quail. Billions. Billions. Conservative estimate is 131,400,000,000 quails. I read that somewhere. I'm trusting it. <laughs> Don't think a few birds. You've got to think billions. Billions of them. To get them to the place of freedom, God gave miraculous breakthroughs. He took miracles to a whole new level. And he is now planning to do it again. The patterns. He has been pattering himself. Look at it. Discern the times. He's pattering us for the same thing. Yahweh is coming to keep his promise by mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. Also notable healings launched at a whole new level. When the people of God gathered in their homes, as Moses told them to do, to eat the Passover lamb, something began to happen. A corporate healing began all over Goshen. A mass healing was activated in homes in Goshen and all the surrounding Hebrew settlements. Psalms 105, verse 37 says, God brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold. Remember, he told, he told them to tell, Moses told the people, borrow silver and gold from, from the Egyptians, borrow their gems. And at that point, things had come to the point where the Egyptians were saying, here, take it, take it, just get out of here. But also the last part of the verse is, God brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold, but and there was not a feeble one among them. Don't forget that line. Now you know that in a million and a half people, there had to be some feeble ones. Feeble. It's the Hebrew word kashal, and it means to be weak because of disease. Or it means to be weak in the knees Weak in the hips, 
Weak in the ankles or weak in the feet? You know, some of these people, a million and a half of them, some of them were weak because of cancer. Some of them were weak because of arthritis. Some were weak because of bone disease. But as they partook of the lamb, healing began to surge. Cripples were suddenly healed. As grandpa began to eat of the lamb, he started to be able to use his arm. He started to be able to stand again. The lame received strength into their being. And not one of them, not so much as one of them, on their way out of Egypt, it says not one of them even stumbled. I believe healing is going to now surge through Goshen, the people of God. Mass healings are going to come into our homes. Mass healings into our churches, into our ecclesias. And I believe there are going to be times when everyone there is healed of whatever. It happened in the New Testament. It happened in Jesus' life. It happened in the disciples. Why not us? Notable miracles, notable healings are coming as never before. He's patterned it. Believe it. Press, press into it. I keep saying press into it. They are on God's calendar. He's calendared it. It's time. After the Passover meal, the next morning, the shofars were heard all over Goshen and the surrounding settlements. Hundreds of shofars sounded. And Moses and God's people began to march out of 430 years of bondage. The young, the old, the in-betweens, the males, the men, the women, over a million people and their livestock. Moses and Aaron and uh, the priests were, were out in front leading and after about an hour or so of walking, something amazing happens. Moses calls a halt to everything. He stopped the entire procession. Everything stopped. Animals stopped. Everybody stopped. And a few young men were seen going over to a burial ground they had come to. And they began to dig underneath of a tomb that had Egyptian royal signature on it. It was the grave of Joseph. Who 430 years before had asked God and asked the people when, when he was dying at 110 years old. When you leave Egypt for the land of promise, dig up my bones and take me with you. God had Moses stop everything to keep a promise. He stopped it all. One might think that 
after four centuries, a promise to a dying old man could have easily been forgotten, especially in the excitement of this moment. But God had not forgotten. Stop it. There's a promise I've got to keep. Stop everything. God hasn't forgotten one word he ever promised you. Ever. He'll stop heaven and earth if he has to to keep it. He hasn't forgotten one word of promise. Ever. Even though time may seem to have buried it. God never forgets a promise. God never lies. Never, ever lies. And he knows how to bring it to pass. Don't ever give up on a promise. Ever. On long-awaited promises, never give up. And in this Passover, this beginning of Nisan miracle, month he's prophesying to us it's so clear I'm now launching in you into times of long-awaited promises being fulfilled I haven't forgotten keep believing what I say the greatest revival ever a billion soul harvest America will be saved Outpourings of, of Holy Spirit. A Pentecost greater than Acts chapter 2. Signs, wonders, and miracles are accelerating into your midst. You are now moving forward, aligned with my calendar to bring promises to pass. Even some of them that are centuries old. Never give up on one of them. Singers and musicians come. Ushers, come to your stations. As we come to the Lord's table today, we remember, well, he said, at least once a year, remember these things. There's so much to that story I couldn't get to today, but remember this. And there are special ones where he says, now it's activating in, in, in a special way prophetically, and that's this one. Well, I'm about to do some long-awaited things. Don't give up. I'm prophesying into your times. Healing is coming at a level. Mass healings are coming. As we get ready for communion, prepare your heart for the real meaning of the Passover lamb. The redeeming God is coming to give us a safe place, take sins away from the midst of us, but also healings and miracles. Today, Lord, we come as disciples came in the case of our King Jesus, Lord. They sat around your table and they partook. But they were doing so following a feast that occurred centuries, millennia ago in the Exodus. Let the reality of the promise of Passover be in this room today. 
activated in people's lives personally, activated in, the, in this house, activated in this region. The promise of Passover may fill this room, changing lives, delivering, activating destiny, freedom, activating it in the world. This world is changing. Activating miracles, miracles that get the world's attention, saying, I am the Redeemer. And so, Lord, as we sing, as we worship, and as we partake of this, this awesome Passover meal, may your presence come as it did in the Exodus the hovering cloud of your presence that rose up over that camp as they grabbed and took hold of Joseph's bones, honoring a promise. As that promise was, <laughs> that promise was kept, your cloud rose up over and led them. And at night, your fire was present. Be present in this room. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Hallelujah.